man, I'm about to tell you something that hardly anybody knows. And mm. I think this might be part of it. Mike check, Mike check. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of the KZ Community Beat. Says I, Ross Martinez, your host in the house seat this week. I have the general manager of 90.7 FM, Mark Supreme. What up, my dude? What's good, fool? Ooh. Husky Heartthrob, Mark Supreme, KZ1023. We in the thing, man. Let's Appreciate you letting me come go. through. So, you piqued my interest a long time ago. We met at Mr. Glasses. Shout but out to he, Glass. Mr. Glass, amazing dude. That's my neighbor. Yeah. Word. Yeah, Fun fact. His brother, who is also Mr. Glass, also cuts hair. Yeah, well, he In just champagne. had, um, didn't he just have like a, a school graduate? Like he, I think he posted so, a picture yeah. two days ago where it was, uh, five, six different people. Every race, ethnicity, color, bro, whatever. And they're there just bro. cutting hair he's and he's putting the, uh, he's putting a Palmer back in the community and making Barber like this dope job to have again. It's dope. Anyways, that's another episode. Go check his, his it out. His shop is a melting pot, though. So shout out to him because that's where this connection came from. But Although, yeah. he did hit me yesterday. He's like, hey, I'm sorry. You booked something with me, but I, I got booked and I couldn't get you. I'm like, no, I didn't. He's like, oh, you sure? Do you want to come in Friday? He got me. I'm coming in Friday. That's how he got, got me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's yeah, he something. He's something. He's something for real. Yeah. For real. So, Mark, man, I've been reading about you. And he told me a lot about you. You hold, you have about 56 jobs in town. He said 56 <laughs> jobs. Uh, you do a it, lot. It's a lot going on, yeah. It's a lot going on. So let's see. Let's start first with there was something you just did. You curated this uh, hip-hop art exhibit at the Peoria Riverfront Museum, right? So when you were doing that, what was the inspiration getting involved in that venture? Um, honestly, uh, shout out to Everly Davis. She's the one that reached out to me and had the brilliant idea. I'd just be hanging around and doing stuff. But uh, she is really the, the – when you talk about culture and, like, just dope stuff that the museum has going on, um, the museum and the staff and, uh, you know, John Morrison down, they really got their thing going on. But Everly Davis is really giving them uh, a shot of adrenaline in the arm, a cultural shot of uh, adrenaline in the arm when it comes to just – figuring out how to get more people involved in the community. Um, because they say the museum is a community landmark in the P, but it, uh, before, you know, a couple of years ago, I think a good amount of people in Peoria didn't feel that. But since she's been there, and with the help of everybody else that is, you know, at the museum, she's really spearheaded some dope stuff down there. And so she came out and reached out to me, and, you know, we, we just did it, and it worked out. You. There was also an article you wrote not too long ago about how enriching the culture here in Peoria. Mm-hmm. What was the behind the scenes of going about making that article piece? What was it entitled again? What are you talking about? Which one are we talking about? Back in, in Magazine? January of 2022, I think it was. I think it was Peoria Magazine. You were talking about how Peoria is starting to get more enriched in culture. Okay. And yeah, how there's was, more minorities. Yeah, that was this past February. Yeah. So... um I was talking about that because Pure has always been deemed by a lot of people, especially minorities, black and brown people like us. Uh, Pure has been seen, it's been deemed like culturally sanitized. And when you, especially you coming from Chicago, yeah. we got a little couple things going on. But if you would have came six, seven years ago, you'd be like, bro, like, what's going on? Because it's just like, it's just, it's just sanitized, bro. And there's certain things that people want to do that, the powers that be just won't allow to let happen. I had some dope ideas for billboards. I wanted to do a billboard campaign around Peoria. Um, all positive, but it, it was culture and it had a little bit of edge to it, but it was still all positive. And the people that we wanted to target would be able to relate to it. And I told the general manager of the billboard company, I was like, hey, man, I want to do this. He's like, man, I'd love to do this. Dude, uh, the guy comes from Houston. 
And he's like, but I love to do this in Houston. This would be dope. I could do this in Houston, but I, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't do this here in Peoria. Um, and I, my, my phone will ring off the hook. So if you can figure out how to rework it, that'd be dope, but I can't run it. That's and so crazy. That's just a, it, it's indicative of how behind Peoria is culturally and how conservative it is. And I'm not knocking it from a political standpoint of, you know, Republican, Democrat, but just, man, like, let's, you know, like. It's a community. It's everybody. a community. Like, let's include everybody. Because when you have a when you have a conservative approach to literally everything, that's when people feel left out. And so mm. there's lack of not only cultural identity and uh, Peoria identity, but it's also a lack of uh, a sense of belonging by some by a whole swath of people that live here because they feel like, oh, Peoria is not for me because my expression isn't accepted. You know what I mean? And that is what I meant by cultural sanitization. And so in the last couple of years, what we set out to do, the Yonic Collective, uh, the people that we partner with, like Product of the Projects, and just a lot of folks that are doing dope things that we've come together, we just set out to give people what we weren't able to get coming up because it wasn't a, our expression wasn't accepted, if that makes sense. Two things you piqued my interest on that. One is the phrase, if it plays in Peoria, I've heard since I moved here. And it makes that comment very interesting because you would think anything could play here. So that means anything is on bound where you could just have, you could test, it's a test market, right? Yeah. But it was a fight trying to get that ability to be tested, you know, when it comes to minority stuff. It was, but I'll tell you what it, what what changed it. The problem was, and I say this to anybody, and I actually talked about this in my commencement speech uh, when I did the commencement speech for ICC last May, is uh, don't wait on nobody, don't hate on nobody. And what I meant by that is, the problem was we kept going to these organizations or these institutions in Peoria trying to get them to let us do something. And instead, with everything that we got going on, it started with Juneteenth. And we just came together and decided we were going to do something. We're going to raise our own money. We're going to do it how we wanted to do it. And we're going to put it on and the people that like it are going to come. Yeah. And luckily, the people that identify with what we were trying to do, they came and then it snowballed, and now, I'm not going to say, like, we can't be stopped or nothing like that, but it's now it is, and not even on autopilot, but we got it to where we got our own thing going, and so we're going to figure out how we can disseminate our concepts of culture to Peoria and allow others, and not even allow others, but empower others to do the same and figure out what they got inside themselves, what do they want to deliver, what do they want to express, just do it. Like, forget about asking for permission. Like, hey, you know, can we, you know, can we do this? Can we do it? No, we're going to figure out our own ideas. We're going to get our own group. We're going to get our own money, and we're just going to do it wherever we can do it at. Yeah. And then we're just going to go from there. So that's kind of what that's about for real. So who empowered this in you? Who empowered me? Yeah, like who set you down this path? Because I've read a little bit about your bio. I've, I've researched a couple of things that you've done in history, or not history, but here for Peoria. Who put that fire in you in your life? Nobody put that fire in me for real. Like you never um, had a role model that was like, yo, Mark, like this nah, is a good path for nah, real. Not that. And I don't want to leave out anybody, but, but I've never. Outside I mean, of family. I, 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 yeah, I've been told by people like I've been told growing up, not even growing up because I graduated high school with a 1.8 GPA, mind you. Um, but just huh. like, um, but yeah, like on the verge of not even graduating for real. But, like, I've had peers, I've had a couple peers reach out and just say, man, you're going to do something great, you're going to do something great. But I'm like, bro, what, though? Because I was just out here, like, bad. Like, I graduated with a master's degree, 
trying to get a job, never could find a job. And I just had the struggle of just trying to figure out how can I get on track toward my purpose. And the thing is, I, I was doing everything right. You know what I mean? I felt like I was doing everything right. Like, just, like, approaching it, clean cut, you know what I mean? Articulating the way I should be articulating, the way I thought I should articulate things. Um, just doing the whole thing. And it was when, it was really in the last four or five years, I ain't always been like this, really in the last four or five years that I was like, you know what, bro? You can bleep stuff out of here, right? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, or I, I, I leave it in. Okay, do your thing, man. But it's just like, man, f- what y'all talking about, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm finna just do what I feel like doing. And if it takes, it takes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I was working, you know what I mean? Uh, I worked in higher education. I worked in, you know, media. Uh, and then during the pandemic, I was going, like, Facebook Live a lot, just talking about politics because, like, my interest in that is, like, a byproduct of my education because I covered uh, politics in Springfield and the General Assembly and things like that. Oh, for, wow. Uh, for a conservative radio I led back in Springfield. So we was doing, like, Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, like, Yo, all of that. You know what I mean? Because when I came here, I... Bless you. Um, two more times, just in case the Lord bless you, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> but, like, I had that experience, too, working WMBD, which is leans right. Yeah, yeah. You work for a right-leaning company. WTAX, yeah. As minorities, like, I'm not going to speak ill about it because, you know, great people over there all that. But the being a minority who I feel like you may lean left, I lean left, working for a conservative radio company, how was that? It was conservative. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was looking at me kind of way and things like that. But I'm appreciative of it because exposure is the biggest thing that we all need. You know what I mean? It like, is. Um, I'm not the type to be like, oh, you Republican or you hyper conservative. Like, I ain't going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? I accept you um, for as you is as long yeah. as you respect me. Yeah. That's how uh, I am. And even where uh, it's a funny interaction that uh, um, John Kelly and I had, I, was, I moderated a political panel for uh, city council. About a month ago at this point. Oh, and that's dope, man. Yeah. From a 1.7 to doing this? Come on oh, now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we, we did this too. Like, we, we did a whole in person candidate forum at Central during the pandemic, uh, spring 2021. I partnered with um, Pure Journal Star. We brought everybody that was uh, had announced that they were running for mayor and were going for city council. We actually did an in person debate. Uh, no audience, obviously, because still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but we did it at Central High School's auditorium and, like, streamed it. It was super dope. And so I've been doing stuff like that and, like, just doing political commentary and stuff like that. But when we um, – I asked John Kelly a question about equity, and he said, I don't believe in equity. And he got a lot of people – he got pushed back by a lot of people. Um, so we went back and forth, back and forth. But after he was done, he came over to me. He was like, hey, you know what I'm saying? That's where I'm at with it. Appreciate the, you know what I mean? And he was like, man, let's do lunch one day. You know what I mean? And I'm we haven't done it yet, but I'm not opposed to it because, you know, we need to see what people are thinking on the opposite yeah. side of the spectrum because that's the problem when you got this divisiveness between two, I hate to say two parties on the political tip, but, but it's between two systems. groups of people, yeah. yeah. Like, the best thing we can do is come together and figure out at least where you coming from. You can understand where yeah. I'm coming from. Some things we might be able to connect on, some things we won't, but just the polarization of... Oh, if you think that equity is not important, that I have nothing to say to you, and I don't want to hear nothing you have to say. <laughs> no, I want to see why you think that. Yeah, and I want to let you know why I think this, and maybe we can come to some common ground. And there's something that we can collab on. I'm sure there's something like people hate Donald Trump. I didn't rock with. I didn't vote for Donald Trump, but I'm sure if I sat down with him, there's something oh, that yeah. we can come together on. 
And if you're trying to bring people together, then you have to try to bring people together, and it starts with us. Well, communication is lost art form because right. people just speak to get to the next talking point or to the next thought that pops in their head. They don't give people the time to catch the rhythm in conversation to get the comprehension aspect out of it. Like, I know there's times myself as interviewer, like, you say something, I want to lean it real quick, but I'm like, oh, let my man cook. He's mm. got something happening. Let him cook. Let him cook. Let him did you find that hard at all? When it comes to what? Being just interviewing folks and like, Yeah, with different opinions. Oh, not with different opinions, because I, I wanna know I've always been the type to wanna know why people think the way they do. Hmm. And so I'll just keep asking questions and asking questions till at least it partially makes sense. You know what I mean? Um so that was never a problem with me. With interviewing, the thing is listening. And forgetting what I was finna say. So, you know, you just said, like, people be like, you know, they're just listening long enough to where they can get their other point across. Yeah. I'm really in depth, like, really on it. Like, I'm I'm a spectator at that point. Then you done talking. I forget. I'm the one that's supposed to, you know, follow up with the question. But yeah. you do the whole uh, boyfriend thing where you catch the last phrase they say. Like, oh, really? That Expand on that, please. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. I tell you, get on my nerves, though, bro. Uh, and he cool. <laughs> But man, you watch Drink Champs? Yeah, yeah. Bro, Nori be interrupting the <laughs> hell out of these people, bro. But it's Nori though. I know, but it's like, bro, bro this like Nori be inter interviewing himself. Like somebody is saying, like somebody is saying, like, yeah, man, we, yeah, man, I'm just glad, man, the album went platinum. Hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. You remind me back in '96, me and my man's, we went platinum. You know what I'm saying? We we met Jay Z and he said. You know, keep doing what you do. But anyway, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, oh, what? yeah, man, Jay cook. No, man, you know me. Look, I, I did meet Jay. Like, bro, like, let him cook, bro. Like, I be hating. Who did he have when he had his he did it, on? He did it bag to Big Sean. He did it bag to Big Sean. Did you watch have, that? I didn't watch that one yet, but I had seen snips on uh Bro, on Big TikTok. Sean was like, Big Sean was trying to say something. And Nori's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you remind me when, uh, woo, woo. And then he was like, all right, go ahead, go ahead. And Big Sean was like. So, yeah, when I was talking to Kanye, wait, is Kanye still woo? He's like, I don't know. But, yeah, Kanye, I told him, man, you still owe me a 50 million. $50 million. I remember when I got my first 50 million. And then Big Sean was like, bro, like I said. You know what I mean? Like, you could tell you. You know, he didn't do that on uh, Button. Button checked him once or twice. He's like, hold on, let me finish my thought, man. Yeah, hey, because, you know, Button. Button. Is like, it's yeah, Button, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I... I grew up listening to the Button Podcast with Rory and Maul, and that was every week. I'd have that on YouTube. I'd be doing something behind the scenes. That hurt when that pot exploded, man. I'll tell you that. Now let's mm-hmm. talk about let's talk about media, man. How'd you get involved with ninety point seven? I read that it was uh, tied to the college somehow. It was. Uh, it's funny how I got tied to the uh, to media here in Peoria, just media in general. Um, let's say media in general. Media in general started back at ICC. Actually, it's, it's a full circle situation because um, there was a TV show at ICC called ICC Underground for students, and I was uh, like one of the producers there. So that was like my first stint in media. Then after that, I started working for WTVP, uh, which I thought was like a volunteer internship but then one day like a check just came up my mama house i'm like word okay bet money um (laughs) (laughs) and then after that um uh i went to siu carbondale and i worked for the journal uh for the daily egyptian down it's the student-run newspaper which is super dope because they had all these emmys um as a as a newspaper as a student-run newspaper and the crazy thing about that student-run newspaper is that that paper was more relied upon by the residents of carbondale 
than the Southern, which was the official city newspaper. So people like that lived in Carbondale. They were reading the student newspaper because it was just tighter, more descriptive journalism. Um, because, you know, we, we still got, you know, we in school, so we got to make sure we do everything right. We ain't getting paid. Well, we were well, getting paid, but it was tight. And so uh, it's still authentic journalism. Yeah. yeah it, it was it's basically almost, you know, how people say I don't watch NBA, but I watch college basketball because yeah. it's just a little bit more pure. Because you I have think the passion we were delivering that. Yeah. yeah. I think we were delivering that. Hmm. Um, and the biggest interview I did down there, I interviewed uh, Fidel Castro's daughter, one of Fidel Castro's daughters. So that was like my biggest story down there. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how was that interview? Like, how'd you land that? Uh, what happened? She was, I think she was, she was just coming to, she was coming to SIU, uh, to speak. Um, and that's the cool thing about college. Cause they bring in people that you would never see any other time. Yeah. And, um, she was coming. I was like, bro, I got to get this story. And they let me run it. Um, you just yeah. asked and I just asked it. Yeah, I see. And it worked out. You feel like that was like a lot of your life where you just asked a question and then you just did it. I tell people, man, you just got to see what's to it. And just sw- be able to swallow the no because you're going to get a lot of no's. But mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of things out of just asking or following up. Whether even if you don't get a job, you don't be like, all right. You be like, okay, how come I wasn't hired? Because maybe I can refine some things within myself that I can carry on to the next stop. Yeah. So it's all about just asking. Um, people going to say no. Sometimes they're going to say yeah. So I, I covered her and I covered the Obama election in 08. Um, I went how to Chicago that? Grand Park. That was. That was. One of the most, like the biggest sea of emotions I've ever been in the middle of. It was at Grant Park and Obama, like everybody's watching this big screen and then Obama wins and his whole family comes out to Grant Park and it's just everybody just sobbing, bro. It was crazy. It like was what crazy. was the emotions you feeling while being in that sea? It was just, it was just dope. Cause I, I rolled up, uh, shout out to my friend, Taryn Bradley, man. She, uh, the one is, uh, she's the one that secured somehow secured tickets to the uh, um to the election night. Um and so she asked me if I wanted to go. So since she had it, I told the news uh station, because again I'm still at SIU and I'm like, hey, can I go cover this Obama election? They're like, no, you have to have tickets. I'm like, I got tickets. And they looking at me like, bro, how you got tickets? I'm like, bro, I got tickets, bro, can I cover it? And they're like, I mean if you got access, yeah, it's all about go. access. Yeah. And so the whole way up, we're listening to Jeezy's recession album. That had dropped around that time. My president is my black. My president is black. <laughs> yeah. And not even that, just welcome back. Just all the, because like. That Jeezy the, album was amazing. Man, classic. Jeezy gets slept on from the classic, mainstream. bro. Yes. Classic. Even his new joint, Snowfall, goes quick. I have yet to hear Snowfall. Bro, do I've been on. Um, do yourself a favor. What about this new? Nas, King Disease 3. Oh, yeah, 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 I've yeah, been yeah, on yeah, 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 yeah. He's in my, uh, he's, in, he's on my Mount Rushmore. Oh well, Easy. yeah, yeah. Him, uh, Jay, Nas, uh, Nas, Jay, M, and Wayne. Don't worry, we getting back to hip hop. Okay, okay, I, okay, okay. I, the main reason I had it on here because I want to talk hip hop, but you to. have so much going on that I want to cover it all somehow. Because yeah. I want to give the three sixty who Mark Supreme is, get some knowledge. Because I feel like there's so much you could teach me in this conversation. But I definitely want to go back likewise. and forth hip hop with you because yeah. I feel like you're doing a lot of dope things for the community with hip hop. But anyways, yes, just being in that sea because I remember. I remember when Chewy first came out and the whole in Illinois where Chewy Garcia was the main dude. And I remember just going to events and feeling like, oh, we kind of have a role model a little bit here. You know, it's kind of gone left and right here and there with them. But to be in that historic moment, man, as a black man that's trying to find success, like that's got to be like some tears to you at some point, man. Like just see. In the Obama situation? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was just, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, like, 
a part of it, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm on my job. Because they let me come all the way up here to Chicago and cover this story, and they're going to pay me for being up here. Yeah. So, like, first of all, let me make sure I'm on my job. And it's one of those moments where you know you living in history, but you just know it's going to hit you harder later on, and you just got to stay on your job at this moment. Um, so you were just in the moment. You wasn't even, like, thinking. You were just like, all right, I got to get ABC yeah. done. But I know this is I know this is crazy right here. But you got it. It's almost like, you know, if, if you get to host the Grammys or something, like, yeah. you know this is major, but focus so you can get through the the moment and, and run through the finish line and be able to look back and say, I did my thing, not I fumbled the ball because I was too be- busy watching the game. You see what I'm saying? So was that the biggest lesson you learned from that historic moment in your life? It's just knowing how to be aware in the moment and be on top of your game and be a professional? I don't know if... I ask all these know. random deep questions and I'm gonna hit you with a joke afterwards. Because okay. <laughs> um, I like knowing how the mind works. That's my yeah, big thing. No, that yeah, I, I'm minor in psychology actually. So, so I, did I. I. I thought I was gonna be the black Dr. Phil for a minute. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you got a little I too much hair, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a little too I, much. I didn't know what I was gonna do, but <laughs> I like I liked uh, philosophy. That was my big one. Yeah, philosophy didn't make no sense to me. Like it did. It, it just seemed like it was trying to stretch your brain to nowhere but the fact that it's stretched would make you a better person on the back end it's it's kind of like uh you walk in the room and you talk to everybody get perspectives and then you build your own uh synopsis of the world from that like kierkegaard um hume all these other cats that have uh what's it uh, what's that guy's name nietzsche all these fools have crazy philosophies of life and i've picked and choose little things here and there so like these moments you have, right? The psychology behind it of how you're in a historic moment. You're seeing a figure in your community get the biggest accomplishment within our American culture, right? But for the first time, it is a man that you can associate with and you see at the pinnacle of success in America. That's psycho, that's psychology 101 right there. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the moment I get to see a Latino or Latina stand on that stage and yeah. president, yeah. bro, like, even now, like, yeah. I got my hairs yeah, up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that'd be hard, yeah. You know like, what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like watching the Cubs win the World Series in 2016. Man, to, you better embrace it. That's <laughs> you know about saying? it. That's about coming it. Back, yeah, that's you know about it. That's about it. But you know what I mean? Like, the psychology behind that experience. Were you able to tell your kids about this? Like, yo, I got to cover this. And the importance of it? Yeah, uh... Yeah, and you know, it's something weird about me, like, I don't know why, I'm, I follow the mantra of never being too high, never being too low. Uh, it's easy for me to get too low, though, because, like, I hate mistakes. I'm a perfectionist, and I I hate that about myself, because being a perfectionist takes a lot of, it, it, you can waste a lot of time. You know what I mean? Well, I know. Um, so sometimes these big things happen, and people reach out to me, and they're like, you know, how do you feel, bro? Like, how does it feel? And I'm like. I mean, it's cool. Like, even with the book, and I know we'll get to that later on, but even mm-hmm. with the book, it's like, I mean, it's cool. Like, I, I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, so you accomplish and move forward. Is that your way of saying so, humble? I think some, and it's going to sound cocky, but it's actually the, the complete antithesis of cockiness. But I don't even sometimes see those as accomplishments. It's just something we, or I did. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, like, I don't know. And, and I'm still trying to figure out that space about myself really, as to why 
I don't celebrate the little things. I've never been one to celebrate the little things. It's, it's like, you know, it's almost like that Mamba mentality. Like, you ain't going to celebrate because we're in the playoffs. We're supposed to be in the playoffs. It's expected. Okay. Are you swept the team? They're supposed to get swept. Like, because we're supposed to win the whole thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, we win the championship, and there's nothing else left to do in this space. Then we can celebrate. Yeah. But, you know, like, you know, we, we ain't going to. You, you, you remember, like, a long time ago, Kobe was still alive. It might have been 2015. When the Lakers won a game, a regular season game, they weren't going to the playoffs at all. They, I think it was, they were sitting on like 20 wins and like they were sitting on like 20 and 60 or something crazy. And I remember Nick Young was on the video and, uh, Kobe was on the Jimmy Kimmel show and they were just rejoicing, like going crazy. Yeah. Yep. And then they come back to Kobe's like, Kobe, how does that make you feel? And he's just in there like, just, just like that, like shaking his head, like, bro, like y'all not even going to the playoffs. Well, he said that wouldn't happen if I was on the team. Bro, that, uh, yeah, that's what he said, I, <laughs> I was like, damn. But it's like, bro, it's like, all right, on to the next thing, right? And so uh, I'm trying to find joy in the small things. But, you know, in my head, I'm going to be honest with you, too. In my head, I, I, I've always had a chip on my shoulder because I've always felt like I've been, I'm behind. Ooh, why is and that? I think that's why. I think that's why. Why do you feel behind? Because from everything I've read about you and even the man I've met now, not to blow steam up you, but... It seems like you're a well-off, successful, community impactful. Like you, you impact the community on vastly different ways that it needs to be enriched on, with uh, ninety point seven, with curating, with reporting. Like you reported the first time this city had what females, black, brown, all running for mayor. Yeah, we interviewed those. Yeah, like yeah. that's dope. It it, it is dope. Um, but I, I have to I have to push back on well off and successful, you know? uh, but impactful probably. Um, but you know what, man? So this is crazy. But I I, I like this atmosphere. This, this is dope. As it's hell. intimate as hell. Yeah, it, I it, love it. it. Yeah. Intimate as shit. Welcome to my life, so, bro. <laughs> dig this, man. I'm about to tell you something that hardly anybody knows, and mm. I think this might be part of it. I'm about to tell you something that I've been talked really in about this to most people. I'm the Mexican Oprah. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> But you know what? And this just came to my mind. This might be it. This might be it. Um, first of all, I've always felt like I was supposed to be beyond where I already was. Mm. Like things that I accomplished at 36. It's like, man, I should have did that. I sh it's cool, but I should have did that at 26. Um, and I always have this mind frame of like, oh, you know, good job. It's like there's nothing really cool about graduating high school at 24. Like, yeah, you did it. Your brother shouldn't have took you to 24. And I wonder if, you ready? I wonder if this feeling comes from the fact that I did kindergarten twice. Oh. So I was at a public school when I was in kindergarten. Um, and then after that, my mom switched me to a private school. But I did kindergarten again. I never asked why. I'm in kindergarten. I don't remember half of it. But I remember growing up and going through 6th, 7th, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade remembering that right um and i always felt like i was a year behind because i was really supposed to be up here right hmm. and so i think it's, it was something i was always chasing to knock it out and i felt accomplished finally to a degree when i graduated with my master's degree because i got accepted into this highly selective program i think 300 400 students applied Two, three hundred, something like that, and I was only one of nineteen accepted, uh, coming from one point eight GPA. And the thing about that grad program is, it was 
one semester was all schoolwork. The second semester was half schoolwork, half internship, which is where I was covering the General Assembly. And so you got your master's degree in one year. Typically, it takes two years to get your master's degree. So given that I went to, I did kindergarten twice, theoretically, if I went to get my master's degree, I would have graduated in 2011 at that pace. But if I did kindergarten only once, then I'd have graduated college in 2008, got my master's degree in 2010. So by being able to get accepted to a program where it only required one year instead of two, I shaved that time off, and it's like I never did kindergarten twice. So it's fair to say, would it be fair to say that your entire passion is rooted in that one thing that you didn't really have control on? I don't know. I don't know. Because it seems like you're excelling and you're not you're not focusing on the success. You're just succeeding. You're doing this. I mean, the master's from a 1.7. Being able to cover and be in the sea with Obama's election. Um, all the great things you're doing at 90.7, which we're going to start talking about. The book now that we'll talk about uh, curating the exhibit, uh, being a good father. Like, this is success to me. But you don't stop to see it. You just, I have to do it. This is who I am. I have to do it. Um, at this point now, bro, I just, people ask me, like, where do I get, like, all this stuff from? It's just, I just wake up and do what feels dope, for real. Like, that's really it. I love that Because you, what man. I was trying to do before was try to, because I, I never wanted to do it. But, bro, when, if you would ask me when I first, first, grade, so I went into college thinking that I was going to, Host 106 in Park and replace Terrence J. That's what I literally thought I was, was going to happen. I was in love with Roxy. Man. I was in love with Roxy. If she listening now, what's up, girl? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I was going to school for. But by the time I graduated, I did a, a, I had a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And I was cleaning the cars. And it was a sweet gig. Um, it was real chill. I love cars. Um, and I uh, heard about the managers from back in the day and like even the current ones that were that graduating that were retiring at 35 40 years old because like how the company is run and how like quickly you can move up the chain and how you can be 35 36 37 making 150 200,000 dollars a year uh -huh. um maybe even half a million a year you know I just heard these stories while I was in school and so by the time I graduated I was just cool with getting a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car and working my way up there and becoming a dog and getting a whole bunch of money. There was only one problem, though. They didn't hire me. Even though I worked there the whole time. I, I applied for the manager in training job as soon as I graduated college. So I'm thinking, I'm a shoe-in. I've been working for this company for three years. And I still have yet to understand or find out why they didn't hire me. Because I was like, my, we, you know, you have the three-interview process. My last interview was with all the bosses that I've been working with or working under washing cars, right? So my interview wasn't even a real interview. We was just chilling, shooting the shit, like just cooling out. Just talking. And they didn't uh, they didn't hire me. And so I was like, well, and so then I set out on the quest to find a job, and I never really, it took me until age, like I graduated in 2010, and I really didn't get a halfway decent footing and any type of work capacity until 2016. So I was almost 30 by the time I got a job that was halfway decent. You know what I mean? Trying to do everything, like living between 
you know, I lived in L.A. for a minute. I lived in Atlanta for a minute. I lived in St. Louis for a minute. And just trying to muster up any type of job. I was, bro, with a master's degree, I was living in Atlanta scrubbing toilets at a L.A. Fitness, at a Planet Fitness, my fault. And so, like, it was just, so it was like, man, trying to do everything and just trying to get this linear track situated to where I can just forget following your passion. I just want a job that pays master's degree level salaries and just call it a day. I don't care what it was. But I had so many situations where, you know, just things fell through the crowd. I could write a book on all the failure, on the failed attempts to just get on track i could write a whole book about that that's a perfect transition before we get to that book that's the next thing with respect i would not have guessed that about you like i when i met you and everything and how i talked to you and how i've seen the stuff you do and you know i'll, I'll follow 90.7 here and there when i'm in the car and i'll i read up about the stuff you have and i've been researching you i've always just kind of expected that everything that you aim for has 10 miles ahead. Hell yeah. No. You know what I mean? Hell no. Like, do you understand like, why, why I would so get far, that that's perception? Why, that's why I'm so far behind. Uh, to a degree, but the people that clo- are closest to me know, again, not not that I'm not, not that I'm jaded and I don't feel blessed or nothing like that, but the people closest to me know that, that I don't make a big deal about my current space. I like it, and I like the fact that I'm able to shed light on others and, like, create dope stuff or whatever. And I feel like I'm finally starting to maybe get into a stride, but I'll know better this time next year. But, no, like, like, and, and I, I, I ain't trying to be, like, no Debbie Downer, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but the people that, I, that know me know that, um, you know, this is just, like, regular season playoffs. I don't celebrate regular, regular season. You live celebrate. in the moment. Bro, it's, when we win a championship, we can talk. You know what I mean? Um you know, I got a friend who, uh, I got a friend who uh, is a friend with somebody else who's very well off, right? And he uh, flew all his friends out um, to uh, out west, and uh, and all like like he was like nine of his buddies came, and um, they was hanging out for you know a couple couple days or whatever, and like one of the last days. He brought all his friends into the house and like they went to this dining room and what he had in that dining room, he bought rollies for everybody that flew out to go see him. What? So all nine people that came left with Rolexes. I'll give you a couple tacos. That's all I got. Man, for man. You, <laughs> and I'm just like, man, when I'm handing out rollies to the people that have been riding with me, that's when I feel like. Ugh. So you know that's your NBA championship. That's the championship. When you because you you ain't you ain't it, it's. There's nothing better than being able to be in a position to put money in other people's pockets. When you're doing um, that, that is when you really helping other people reach their potential. You know what I mean? Um, and just providing opportunity that really benefits them at the same time. I love my volunteers. Like the volunteers that the Yanni Collective gets, uh, you know, uh, we do a lot of stuff with pop. You know what I mean? Um, we have people that come and buy into us and we love and appreciate them for Riding with us through Juneteenth, riding with us through Sophisticated Ratchet, riding with us through uh, the Diggum College Fairs. We just did one in Springfield a couple weeks ago. But to be able to put money in their pockets, it is a testament to how, um, you know, it's just, it demonstrates how much you can appreciate somebody. And that's really when you can, you know what I mean? Like, just being able to pour into other people. 
You know what I mean? That's that's when you really so are. So it's the symbology of it, not so much the actual monetary or giving yeah, the Rolex. Yeah, yeah. It's getting to a position where you can help others out. Yeah. On a bigger platform. On a bigger level. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Um, but, but I feel like who that is, right? And then as you tell the story of, I was content with just getting one of these dope-ass jobs that bring cool. in money. I would have been cool. But like been cool. that fire lit in you somehow. Yeah. Like, what was that transitionary point? Um, Has when when, when I wasn't accepted, when that, I went because like I said, I the went, rejection set you off. The rejection didn't set me off. The rejection made me say, "Well, fuck y'all, I'm finna just do what I'm going to do anyway, whether it pays or not." Because I tried to do it the corporate way. Oh. That's what it was. Nobody, I like jobs wise. I, nobody. I was in L.A. trying to get a job at McDonald's and didn't get it. You know what I mean? I was in Atlanta trying to get a job with a furniture moving company. They said I was too skinny. And I was like, bro, I, I come from working like this. Like, my first jobs in high school while everybody was working at Finish Line, Foot Locker, and Kroger's, I was putting ro- shingles on roofs at 15. I was building decks at 15. And this furniture company going to tell me I can't lift no furniture? And I know I don't look like it, but like, bro, I, at 15 years old, I had hammer and nails in my pocket. You know what I mean? Bro, like, they didn't hire me at Home Depot. Let's just put that one up. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like, like Doc! <laughs> What? That works? Oh, all right, so, uh, so all that stuff, it wasn't nothing that set me off. It was just an attempt to trying things, trying things, trying things, trying things, trying things, trying things, and nothing worked. Well, forget that. I'm going to just do what I want to do because I ain't got no money anyway. So not, so I'm not scared of being broke. You know what I mean? So I just, it was like, whatever. That It, it, <laughs> it, it kind of went from that. And it really, I think my attitude culminated my, like, my attitude culminated 2021 where uh i was we we had done this election stuff right and i was um i was uh i was um waiting for these election numbers to come down and i would always like joke i'd be on facebook live and i get to rolling up you know what i mean i've all this tobacco like just always joking people just watching and laugh but election night um the numbers were taking too long to roll in. And so I just, I rolled up and I'm sitting here just with this joint in my hand, just like, you know what I mean? Like, wait for these numbers. Yeah. And they, they, they kept, they, they weren't coming. And so I'm up here trying to figure out how to stall and delay. I got a whole bunch of people watching on Facebook Live. And so I just, I just lit the joint. <laughs> on live? Yeah. On live. How was that? Was it, it like a free moment? I was like, man, fuck, look. Because Is that when you became Mark Supreme completely? Maybe because it's like, bro, like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, none of y'all gave me nothing. And that's, that's the true. freeing part. That's the part I love because a lot of people act and carry themselves a certain way because they're scared to lose what they've been given by other people. Oh, that makes sense when you think about when that. you run for office, when you have a big paying job at OSF or Caterpillar, oh, yeah. you got all this money, you're able to supply other people with things. But the moment Caterpillar decides it doesn't like your behavior, it doesn't like how you look, it doesn't like how you talk, it doesn't like your ideas or ideology, and they cut your water off, now you out, you, you in a boat without a paddle because oh. your, everything you have was given to you. Yeah. And so nobody gave me anything. And now granted, I'm not sitting here saying I'm rich. I didn't have nothing. I don't have, you know what I'm saying? I ain't have nothing, but y'all can't take anything away from me either. So just knowing that what I do is all on me and whether y'all like it or not, I can't lose what I have because of y'all because y'all didn't give me nothing because I tried. Yeah. I tried to go the corporate route. Corporate America didn't accept me. 
And so since it didn't, well, I'm going to just do what I want to do. And anything I generate is going to be mine or with the Yanni Collective, anything we generate is going to be <laughs> ours because y'all didn't give us nothing in the first place. I like that. You know what I mean? That's like, that's hip-hop. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know when it you think is. about it? When you it think is. about the culture of hip-hop, the as as we've politely put a genre label to it, but it's a culture. It's a living entity. From the early days of hip to your boom bap era, to your mm-hmm. conscious hip-hop, to your evolution of uh, Pac and the mm-hmm. beefs, and, and then Wayne's entire collective of the late mm-hmm. 2000s into now we got Lil Uzi, then we had... Uh, XX Tension, rest mm-hmm. of soul. And we have such an evolution of the culture that's just thriving throughout the throughout the eras, right? That's the carry notion into it. Mm-hmm. You, I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to make this happen how I can make this happen because it's about me. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because yeah. I don't have anything anyway. Yeah. I ain't got nothing to lose. I'm anyway. swinging in the, in, in the wind. Yeah. Something's yeah. going to stick. If you yeah. don't like it, somebody over here on the East yeah. Coast is going to like it. Yeah. If not, West, South, whatever. And that's how Jay is in a position where. He he's virtually impenetrable because everything he has he generated because nobody wanted to sign him to Rockefeller. I mean, nobody wanted to sign him at all. That's why him and Dame came up with Rockefeller. Yeah. And in that, uh, I forget what song it is. I think it's on to the next in Blueprint Three. He said, "I don't get dropped. I drop a label." You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't. I'm not a businessman. I'm a business, business. Yeah. man. Yeah. I remember hearing that line. I was like, "Ooh, I still Let mess me with Nas more though." Damn. You know. No, it, it, it's, it's hard, man. You go b- between takeover and ether, like you can really think, you know, like man. On one day you'd be like, no, nah, Jay has the edge, but then like, ooh, Nas has the edge. And I'll still say oh. Nas is more lyrically athletic, oh. but Jay, Jay, when you break down some stuff, it's like disgusting. I posted this. You might have seen it on Instagram uh, on Trouble, the third I verse on it. Trouble. Yeah, I liked it. Oh man. Bro, he went crazy. You know what I'm talking about? That verse? Yeah. No, but the thing is, he with, with Jay, Jay has an amazing vocabulary. And the way he utilizes it, tools, impressive. Mm. But what I find so intriguing about Nas, Nas is able to put you in that Oh yeah. In that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Where, uh, just everything, like King's Disease 3, top down. Top, bottom, everything about King's it. King's diseases, every, all three of oh, them. All three, yeah. All but three, three specifically, if you take from, which today is the anniversary of, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking right now. Uh, <laughs> damn it. What's his, uh, the biggest album? Um, you Illmatic? Illmatic, right? Today's 29 years since Illmatic came out. Yes, when we're Illmatic, recording this. Listen, Illmatic, this brother doesn't take a bar off. Not at all. I mean, it's encyclopedia after encyclopedia. Like, it's like... Genesis, but also... Come on, like... He doesn't take a second off. But the evolution from that to either to all three King's Diseases, and you see how he perfectly puts you into his life, and you can hear his his pain, his struggle, mm-hmm. his mentality, and him just living the culture of hip-hop. Gee, and the production is amazing on every... He probably got that right, man, because he, he he was tripping for a minute. He even alludes to it. He said, they say, I, be, I pick bad uh, bad beats, but I pick bad freaks as well." Like, you know what I mean? But he, his he, he had a, he had a he was addicted to boom bap. Like it ain't well, nothing wrong with it. I'm a boom bap guy. That's why ain't nothing wrong with it. But like it was certain things. It's like, bro, we need to just just he needed that he, little Wu Tang yeah, as his tool. Yeah, just come over here just a little bit. I mean, Stillmatic wasn't bad, but uh, 
I know, thought Stillmatic was dope. You no, know, Stillmatic was dope. I'm talking about as far as beat selection. Like, that wasn't oh, bad at all. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, like, his joint with, uh, that was produced by, um, it was the seven track joint. Came out like four years ago. Who he do oh, that the, with? Um, is that the one he did with Kanye? I think it was Kanye. But the, it's like, why, and why'd you make Kanye do that? Because Kanye <sighs> typically does Kanye. better than that. Because if you listen to Pusha T's album, it's almost dry. I please tell me you didn't heard that. Dude. Flawless. I flawless. Why doesn't Pusha T get more love than he? Him, Schoolboy, and uh, who's the third cat that I always say needs a lot more love than what they get? Um, and Jeezy, mainstream wise. Well, Jeezy, Jeezy's really starting to get flowers this last little bit. I went well, to Jeezy's after the show, versus battle. Yeah. yeah, I went to the Jeezy show in uh, January when he did it with the Atlanta Sym- Symphony Orchestra. I, yeah, fire. I saw that, that on YouTube. Oh man, yeah, we, did you see the moment where him and ja, him, him uh, Nas and Jay, they eventually um, uh, they were performing somewhere in New York four or five years ago before COVID, and he came out for Dead Presidents, and he, Nas and Jay both did that together. I was like, oh shit! Gee, I love seeing. I love like I don't know what as a hip hop head, like, and there's only a couple of the pictures out there, but like there's pictures out there with Jay, Nas, and Diddy in the same frame. That's I wild. I love seeing those pictures. That's wild. I love seeing those pictures, No, bro. but the I history behind it. it, like if you think about everything Diddy did behind the scenes that is now kind of coming out, uh, and how all three of them have three different kind of distinct different levels in the community, mm-hmm. to see them three together in a picture. Too. You got Brooklyn, you got uh, Queens, and you got Harlem. Yeah, but to see that together is yeah. wild when you think about the dope. history of hip-hop. Yeah, it's dope. It's dope. Just walking really walking like uh like history books. I remember when I met Snoop a while ago and I shook his hand and instantly in my head I'm like, bro, I'm looking at East Coast, West Coast beef. I'm looking at Tupac. I'm looking at Suge Knight. I'm looking at Biggie. I'm looking at, you know, just the evolution of hip hop. I'm looking I mean see we talking nineties. And like Snoop has seen all of this stuff. And for him like for my twelve year old son to know who Snoop is. That's dope. It's crazy. That's dope. It's crazy. I love like, that. Like Snoop is an American icon, and oh, like, yeah, yeah, and he, like yeah, an idol too. If you can yeah, put it that, like he's he's, yeah. he's transitioned into a full fledged business. This man's kicking with fucking uh, what's her name? Uh, Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart. Co- Corona commercials. <laughs> you know, gospel album, and it was fire. He has the Snoop's little tykes. Yeah. He also. Um, he streams video games all the yeah. time. This is like he just does what he wants, and I and you know what though I will tell you this: that is what inspires the way I move. Though people like so. Snoop and to a degree Wayne, because Snoop has created uh, a profile for himself by being himself that allows him to be within that space, and he doesn't get canceled. Like Snoop won't get canceled. Like he has to oh, go wow. way off the deep end because he came in as himself. You know what I mean? And it so that's why Snoop is able to do all these things. Yeah. Because he's himself in every space. And honestly, that's the biggest compliment I've gotten in recent uh months in like the last year or two, is that I show up myself wherever I'm at. And I'm inspired by people like Snoop who shows up wherever he's at. I don't know if you remember at the Snoop Super Bowl. He real quickly took a hit of some weed real quick. He did. Yeah. I, and nobody, and who's going to check him? 
right. Nobody's going to do nothing. You ain't going to do nothing about it. Yo, remember when he stole 50 or he borrowed 50's uh, Lamborghini? He's like, you didn't pay me to come do this track. I'm taking your car. I'll, br- yeah, I'll bring it back, yeah, nephew. Yeah, I see something about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, he, huh. he, he really, you know, and, and that's what I try to do. Because, um, like, there's been videos of me, like, blowing weed on Instagram and things like that. And it's not that I'm trying to get people like, hey, look how cool I am. It's not about that. It's about inspiring and encouraging others to show up in those spaces as themselves as well, too. You know, maybe it's, it's not part of your you, life. Maybe it's not that you smell like weed everywhere you go, but maybe you have your hair a certain way. Maybe your clothes isn't the way that people think you should have your clothes. Maybe you got super huge glasses and that's just your swag. You know I mean, maybe you talk a certain way. And that's where, uh, you know, people get inspired by people like Bernie Mac because he talked about. How people didn't want to accept him in comedy. He's like, he, he, people can't quite understand him. Bernie Mac mm-hmm. is a gag, and he is a legend in the comedic space. Same thing with E-40, the way he raps. Like, he has these weird, quirky Hell sound effects yeah. and things like that. But he's coming as himself. And there's been too many times, especially as black and brown people, where we come into these spaces and we try to assimilate the best we can. And now we just look culturally sanitized like everything else. No, yeah. bring your texture. That is what is tangible about you, and that's what makes you you. And so anytime we try to assimilate and try to fit in these spaces and look and feel and sound like like they do, then who we are gets washed away. So mm. show up in those spaces as yourself. That's the texture. That's what's tangible. And that's what makes you you. I asked you this question earlier in, in the conversation about role models. Now, let me phrase it this way. Is it safe to assume that your role models came from the culture of hip hop more than anything? Because it seems like your role model right now, how you carry yourself based off of Snoop, right? Did you have more of those in, in your life? Like, oh, actually, I associate with hip hop artists a lot. Where like, I see the success. I see the journey. I see the story. I can relate to that a lot. Um, I don't even know if I would say Snoop is a role model, but he's definitely an inspiration into showing up as myself. Um, um. But uh, but he, he is kind of like the he is one of very few northern stars, I would say, that helped me navigate myself as myself. Hmm. Um, but other inspirations, so I, I don't know about role models exactly. I'm sure I got some and I'm just drawing a blank right now. I don't know about exact role models, um, but I do know that there are figureheads, I guess, figureheads that help me figure out how to navigate and i told this to somebody the other day and you could probably agree to this too bro when it comes to being like a male especially like a minority male in uh spaces that a lot of us aren't in or something like that bro if you listen to jay jay tells you exactly what is going on Mm -hmm. what to anticipate how to navigate it like jay is crazy with the with the instruction you know what i mean like if you listen to jay bro he gives it to you. He really does. The um, evils? The it, evils? That, that. But even again, even in like mm. In Trouble or even in like uh, uh, Blueprint 2, um, the song Blueprint, I think it's called Blueprint 2. No, it's called the Meet the Parents. He said, first they love you, then they hate you, then they love you again. Oh, yeah, that's and life. That, and when you think about it, like everybody that we look at has gone through that phase. Mm-hmm. Oprah, Beyonce, Jay. Jordan, Kobe for sure, Floyd Mayweather, like, you know what I mean? And so, because anytime you're trying to do something, bro, like, in any space, and you're consistent with it, hmm. you're going to have people that are going to resist. You know, you're going to have people that are going to start to, you know, be fatigued with what you got going on and things like that. Uh, 
say Tyler Perry brought in with great fanfare, then they didn't like him no more, and now he's on his way back up. Yeah. Braun, perfect example. People hate yeah. Braun. As soon as Braun retires, everybody loves him. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves him. Because say what you want about him right now, you're all going to miss him. Jordan, too. Jordan. Love all him. of them. Now they kind of hate all him. Them. All now of he's them. coming back. And it's, so, yeah. It's, it's interesting when you think about the psychology of being uh, uh, creative in this movement of trying to find yourself and your ups and downs, trials and tribulations, while also trying to garner some fandom. And like, as a minority man, we talk about um, mental health being a big component, right? Is that difficult for you to navigate sometimes of just uh, the ups and downs of love and hatred, I guess? Not hatred, but dislike, disdain, back and forth? Because um, I find it challenging sometimes. Because I, I won't lie, I just want to be loved because all I have to give is love with some sarcasm on the yeah. side. So, like, when something I do isn't well-received, I take it a little personal. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I could have done that better. I could have done this. And I will start spiraling with my anxiety sometimes. So I got to take my time. I'll take my puff, and I'll go on the side, and that's and I'll get right. But it is challenging in the moment. I'm like, fuck, I could have done a little bit better. I, uh, if, if, if So I got a little bit of that for sure. If I feel like I didn't do everything I could have, I, I definitely get, like, frustrated with myself. I've heard people tell me that I speak kind of crass or unvarnished or kind of mean. They're like, man, you got to watch how you talk. I'm like, bro, you think I'm mean to you? You should hear how I, t- how I talk to myself. Self-talk, yeah. <laughs> you, should hear, you should hear what goes on in my head as yeah. far as, Mark, what the fuck, bro? What the, you know, like, <laughs> like, piss. Um, so I got a little bit of that. And as far as, like, being well-received, I'm in a space where, and I think I've always kind of been in this space, I don't care how what I put out is received as long as it's uh, reacting to what I'm actually trying to put out. Hmm. My biggest fear, or my biggest frustration, I'll say, is to be at the mountaintop and yelling red and everybody hearing blue. That's what um, frustrates me. And so... That your message isn't properly received. That That's it. If people are like, Man, forget Mark, man. We don't, we don't like, do you hear him shouting blue? That's my frustration. It's like, no, I said red. Now, if I yelled red, y'all heard red, and y'all don't like red, well, I don't, that's on you. I don't, I don't care about that. You <laughs> know what I mean? But for what I try to do or put out or disseminate to be misunderstood and then to get negative feedback because of the misunderstanding, that frustrates me. But if you don't <laughs> like what I'm generally given and you really understand what I'm trying to say, you know, there's people, you know, again, like, oh, he, he, he smoked weed. Oh, fuck you now. <laughs> like, whatever. It's uh, like that Bernie Mac. If you being you, the truest you, and they don't fuck with you, fuck them. That, that's fine. Find someone else. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the way he dresses or this or that. Like, that's fine. But, again, if you think that I'm a self-centered dude who's cocky and arrogant and think everything is about me, that bothers me because the people that know me. Cl- fun, funny story. The people that know me closest know that that's not the case. And so I got a, a, I got a flack from one of my best friends, Taryn Bradley, because uh, who's uh, who's really been like, I mean, really somebody who has been with me for a long time. And I appreciate the shit out of her. Um, but she used to uh, be frustrated with me because I would go around telling people, hey, make sure you tune in 94.7. Make sure you listen to 94.7. Hey, what you listen to, 94.7? And people would always ask, they'd be like, man, are you on there or something? Is that you? And I'd be like, no, I'm on the street team. 
I'm like my guys do it though, and so I'm trying to put the station out for my guys. Yeah. And she kept hearing that and hearing that, um, and uh. She was like, uh, one day we got back in the car from being at a gas station after me shouting out radio station saying I was on the street team. She was like, dude, why you keep saying that? Like, why you keep lying about it? And granted, I don't lie in general. It's just like, I didn't want to be looked at as the face really of anything. Like, I don't need you to know that I'm behind this. I just want you to rock with it. And like, just I want you to just rock with the product. And that's it. You do not have to know it's me. Uh, and people get confused when I say I do not like the attention. Yeah, it's weird for me. It's the fact that you're doing this interview right now says a lot, though. Because no, this is cool. You, I like this. Like it ain't t- you know. No, what I'm but it's it, just it. This is. But I'm giving you a list. You didn't got a lot of stuff. Though. You. you didn't got a lot of stuff well, out of me. Though. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't got but a lot like, of stuff. Putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. You know, what I mean, not just. The, oh, it's my show, blah, 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 whatever. I don't care. It's called the community B because it's not Ross Martinez. I'm mm. on the small bottom. Mm. I have the same issue in my career where I'm like, no, nah, it's this, the brand, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I love doing but, it, but you, yes. I don't need the face behind it. But why is that? Is that like anxiety of, because for me, it's, I never want to be labeled self-centered. It, this yeah. comes from some trauma back in grade school that, yeah. I, you know, therapy now has me trying I'm gonna to figure I'm interview you about that next time. Oh, let's go. <laughs> I'll, I'll be down. I'll come yeah, down 90.7. Yeah, it. But it's like, for me and having that where I'm like, am I good? I, I'm, I can be confident because I'm very passionate about what I do. Mm. I put my heart and soul and everything I do is in my career. It's just, I'm in. The Husky Heart Throb is because I have a huge passion for what I do. Yeah. And I'm a little big. Like, what's yeah. up, Doc? No, the but, name is fire, though. Actually. Yeah. Thanks, man. But, like, I have that anxiety of being misunderstood because something happened back in my past where I'm like, fuck, I never want to feel like that again. Hmm. So then I became a little trepidatious. Hmm. And I became a little bit more picky choosy. Now, in, I've been here for a year. I'm more like you. I'm like, man, I'm Ross. Ride with her or not, but I'm authentic. Mm. And I'm now in a space where, like, if you think this is about me, I can't control it. So I got to just let it go. And I'm trying to get there. It's but hard. I'm like, if you think this about me, I just want to make sure it's accurate. Yeah. As long as it's accurate, I'm good. It's hard to get to the point of just letting it go. Though. Yeah, yeah. I, I got some uh, um, I got some friends and some folks, especially Yanni Collector. Shout out uh, Lexi. She's one of those people that's like, Oh, it ain't true, so who cares? I got to talk to Yannick like that. I've been hearing that yeah. a lot. I got to get in contact with them. But it takes a lot of self-work, man. It does. It does. To it, and just knowing yourself. that you can't catch everything. And you yeah. won't catch everything. And so that's just what it is. But So all these moments in your life, all being a part of history, having your success here and there, your lineage growing, now we get to the book. So what was the inspiration behind What's the name of this book you got here? The book is called Damn I Graduated May. <laughs> this comes from um, uh, a lot of people don't know, but I worked in higher education for six, seven years for a minute. Um, and I ended up working in higher education because what I was trying to do for myself didn't pan out. And so I ended up just getting a job, leaving Atlanta, coming to SIU Carbondale and just taking a job as the admissions advisor um, or admissions counselor or whatever. And then getting a job at Northern Illinois University. Um, which brought me back to Peoria in the first place. And I was just going around the state of Illinois and Missouri recruiting students to come to NIU. And I would get questions from, and again, reluctantly though, because I never wanted to work in higher education, bro. I'm supposed to be hosting BET 106 in part. Like, I ain't got no business being here. And how do I pivot out of this and get to the track that I really supposed to be on? Of course. 
Um, you know what I mean? And, and really do radio on the big level. And by the way, I got to shout out uh, Mayor Rita Ali. That's how I came in contact with 90.7 in the first place. She's also the one that recommended me for the commencement speech at ICC. So shout out Dr. Uh, Mayor, Madam Rita Ali. Uh-huh. Um, but so with that journey of talking to students and trying to help them understand how to approach college, not from the front end, but from the back end, you know, people would just talk about majors and, you know, and even admissions counselors from other schools, like, well, what do you want to major in? They're only asking half the question. The real question is, 10 years from now, you got to wake up at 6 in the morning and you got to go somewhere. Where do you want to go? Once you figure that out, let your academics be predicated off of that end goal. I like that. And that's how you approach college. College is not an end-all, be-all. It's not a seat to success. It's not a seat to success. It's a door to opportunity, right? College doesn't guarantee success. You got to figure that out on your own. Huh? And so just helping students understand that perspective and to use college for what it is. College is a tool. It's one leg to the stool. It's a, it's something <laughs> to be leveraged, right? Yeah. It's not something that you matriculate through and end up on the back end and now boom, you're successful. That's not how it works. And so throughout these conversations I've had with students coupled with my own journey of realizing that I went about college the wrong way. I'm just trying to write, not really write my wrongs, but really just identify areas of opportunity where I could have made better decisions and couple that with the questions and the insight and perspective that I got from the students and try to help them leverage college better. Hmm. I never come up with that, but like, that's what this book is about. It's to Was not it on only, the spot that you just made. Yeah, it's to help students better leverage college. You know what I mean? And to use it as a tool to get where they want to. Because I say in the book, the goal of going to college isn't to graduate. No. It's the experience you gain from it. The goal of going to college is to get what you want on the back end, right? Because people that, like LeBron's son, his goal ain't to graduate from college. No. His goal is to get to the NBA. How do I get to the NBA? You're good enough. You stay focused. Oh, and you got to do a year of college. Okay. So he's going to college. Not to graduate, but that's a prerequisite to go to the NBA. Same thing with like Mark Zuckerberg. Dude's a dropout from Harvard. Because as soon as he figured out that what he got going on is going to exponentially get him further than this degree, and that he doesn't need this degree to get to be one of the richest people in the world, oh bro, we gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? He used he again, college is to be leveraged. So Mark Zuckerberg utilize the campus of Harvard University as a test market for Facebook. Now, he didn't. He probably didn't go in looking at it like that. But while he was in there, he was like, okay, I got this Facebook thing. And it started off at Harvard. Then it went to the colleges. Then it went worldwide, right? And so he just used it as a hotbed of a test market. And then he went from there. So that's what it's about. So that's what this book is about, is trying to help people understand how to see college, how to leverage college and use it. And go from there. Now, for some people, the goal might not be to graduate. Some people, we got to graduate. Why? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a teacher. Well, those things require a degree. So for you, yeah, you got to graduate. But that's how you leverage college for what you want. But the ultimate goal is success on the back end. So think about the back end and then approach it as such. So in a way, it's kind of bringing your story full circle where it's being being authentic to you and your journey. Would you say? Yeah, because I went through college, thought I was going to be straight. When I graduated, like, man, I, I got a master's degree. I'm about to be fine. And I wasn't. <laughs> and in fact, the first real job that I had brought me back to college. You ever stop at 
any point of your day is and just be like, these are the dom- these are the main dominoes that had to fall for me to be who I am and where I am now. No, you never you um, just Kobe mentality. You just keep going. I just keep going, bro. Like, cause at this point, I don't know what's going on. To be honest with you, like people are like like what's the angle? What do you, bro? I just be waking up and doing shit. Like Same. for real, I That's can't really have anxiety of having. For me, it's anxiety of like, wait, I want A, B, C ten years from now. What am I doing now? What am I doing? And I'm I take myself out the moment when I do that. Well, I, I do got things that I want. You know what I mean? But they're all like... But you know what I mean? Like, people... I can't be one of those individuals. I don't know if you could be like it, but have it all mapped. I have moments I know I want to attain. I have certain accomplishments I know I want to get to, right? But the way I do it, I wake up and I just go. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel it. Like, I, I I follow the passion and I'm there. But there's some cats that need itemized. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. is that kind of how you live where you just kind of uh, like no, you I'm not have... itemized and I think people that do the, what we do mostly are like us where they're not itemized the itemization folks are you, 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 the GM's even though I run I'm about to say you're a GM but, <laughs> but you know but the thing is like you know the accountants and the you know producers and stuff like that but for the people because I never want to be no GM I never want to run a radio station no no I just want to get on the show and talk shit. I just wanted to interview <laughs> folks. I wanted to interview all the hot rappers. Like I said, I want to host 106 in Park. I never want. I never wanted to be a boss. And I want to consider myself a boss now. Because you're not a boss until you're really putting money in people's pockets. True. Consistently, right? Yeah. And so I'm not a boss. But the desire to be a boss was never upon me. I never wanted that. I just wanted to work in hip-hop media, whether it be BET, Revolt, MTV, VH1, whatever, entertainment, uh, hip-hop, and just be a personality in that space. That's all I ever wanted to do. You know, that's interesting. But it didn't work out. And so now I'm here, right? That's funny because, like, I've had these conversations with my boss. I'm like, oh, one day I want to be PD. And he's amazing, man. Scott Wheeler. God bless this guy. He's been an amazing role model since I've gotten here. And that's not just smoke up his ass because he's my boss, but he's, he's a teacher, right? And I tell them that this is my biggest thing. I want to be a PD one day. And he'll... He'll show me things. He's like, you sure you want this? You sure you don't just want to be a personality? And my stubborn ass is like, nope, I want to be a PD. I want to navigate the ship. And I don't know, man. Like, being a personality and not having the the job of being a boss is very appealing. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So how did you end up being the GM? Um, Because I left 90.7. Um, and then, like, it just... Because it was a community radio station to begin with. Um, so, like, the community radio station, as it was situated, just had the hip-hop and R&B, uh, you know, Monday through Friday from 4 to 8. Everything in between time was just a, homog- a heterogeneous mixture of random programming. It's like a mix. Yeah. Terrible mix, though. Yeah. And uh, What and you guys so- got going now is good. I'll yeah. tune in between our station and yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, appreciate it. And likewise, and also not even to count out uh, Gary Moore uh, yeah. as well. And But before that, it was just like, it was just, it, it was bad programming. And so I just ended up leaving because I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I'm just out. And so I went and Cal- went to, I just up and moved to California and was there out there for a minute <laughs> doing stuff. Um, ran out of money, came back, stayed for like a couple of years and went to Atlanta and, 
Ran out of money, came back. It was really a final straw when I wrecked my Benz. I was like, bro, I'm gone. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough, but uh, not the Benz. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was crazy. I was riding around in a in a fire clean black Benz. I was broke. You know what I mean? But I bought it when I had money. But I never <laughs> got on. I never latched on to any job while I was down there. Like I said, I got jobs of attempts to get on with like you know Tyler Perry Studios, Entertainment Tonight, and think CNN. Things just fell through the cracks, and there's nothing I could do about it. Um. But anyway, when I came back to Peoria, um, the station was kind of in a state of, um, I don't want to say disarray, but just didn't know what was next. Um, and then so the owner and I just linked back up, and then I reached out to DJ Lavish, who was running the uh, afternoon show, and then we just kind of, you know, I brought in my brother. He's doing a lot of the interviews now, too, and just kind of went from there. Hmm. Yeah. All this happened in your life, man. Oh no, I got bro. I got, I got, I got. This is gonna be a part two because there's yeah, more bro, I, I gotta got ask. Stuff. You. I got. Stuff. Surprisingly, we're already an hour in. Does you believe it? Yeah. Oh, easy, easy. Conversation. I, conversations are beautiful. That's why I've started this podcast because through. You ever hear of the uh, human library? It was a concept in Sweden. I heard about that. I think I got a tab open on one of my 400 tabs on my iPhone <laughs> that I'm supposed to go check out. Like literally 400 tabs on my iPhone. I believe it. Um, but yeah, I heard about the man. Did you and I talk about that at Glass Shop? We did. That's that's the that's the inspiration for the inception of the KZ Community Beat. Mm. Is collecting individual stories because each person I've talked to, you, Mister Glass, Hetty Elliott, Becky Ross, some individuals doing amazing things and pouring back into community. For you, you took a passion of music and culture of hip hop, and it's guiding you in this crazy whirlwind of like all right here's here's one point and here's one point i'm being authentically me and my journey that's the biggest part yes so here's a question i love asking towards the end of the pod when everything is said and done and people have tuned into your story have read your life journey what's the takeaway you want them to get from mark supreme the individual um Uh, I would say he, he, I would probably say he came, he saw, he conquered as himself. While as being himself, himself, I think is the important that, part. And that is the biggest, biggest gratification I get every day. I ain't got money. People, I think, I think people think I got money. <laughs> <laughs> if you work in media right yeah, now, you probably yeah, yeah, yeah. know. <laughs> but, um, just waking up and being myself and, and, and that's what I said at the commencement address last May was that you can be yourself and walk in any space. Yeah, I said you got to be respectful and stuff like that. Um, but as long as you want to infringe on the rights of others, be yourself. You know what I mean? And so I would just want to inspire other people to be themselves, come as themselves, and just and just be be you, man. I got I know people that you know walk a certain way or you know, walk a fine line just for fear of ruffling feathers that don't even matter. You know what I mean? Or people <laughs> I agree on fearful that of, you know, just being all the way honest with their, you know what I'm saying, with, with their girlfriends. You know what I mean? Just like simple stuff. And I've seen people like just change up when some different people come around. <laughs> and to me, it's always been so lame. It's always been weird to me. Yeah, it's. I'm like, gee, this is not how you are with me, like, bro. Just be you. You dope. It's and it's fine. It's okay. 
like I used to hate, there's two things I hated people that would tell me that I was simple and that I was dramatic. I grew up watching novelas with my mom. Of course I'm fucking dramatic. Like it's part of the entertainment person, mm-hmm. my personality. But the simple thing is what always took me, bro, because I always took that as a negative. But the older I got, the more I've seen how complex this universe is mm-hmm. and how individuals are when they live. Simple's good. Simple's good. It's basic that you want to be worried about. Oh, fuck that. I yeah, ain't basic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My man raised no yeah, basic, but yeah, you know what I mean? Basic, I got too simple, much personality. Yeah, yeah simple. <laughs> simple's good. How about simple's this? Good. Let me ask you two more questions that will be out of here. One's going to be a little bit more of advice for other people, and the other one's just going to be a simple where we can find you and get the book and everything. So the complex question. For any individual out there that's listening that is battling the challenge of being authentic, What's your best advice to help guide them to finding who they are just in general? Uh, I don't know. I would just say just just show up as you are. And it's like, how do you do that? I can't really explain it, but you really have to just decide that what you have to offer is unique and is dope and is wanted. And that's what people need to realize about themselves. What is inside of you the universe has been waiting for and you have to trust that. And then once you get to that point, then you can express it. And the people that rock with it will come. You'll find your tribe, but you can't find your tribe if you're hiding your light. I mean, so you just have to expose that. And some people might run away, but other people are going to come. And the people that are going to come is what you want to be there for it. When I first started rap politics, um, it had big fanfare at the top, but then it started to wane and somebody posted like, man, I hate that people aren't watching this podcast. Cause it's really dope. I'm like, Oh, I only make it for the people that watch. Yeah. I only make it for the people that watch yeah. and you have to be okay with that. Now I fall into that trap sometimes too. Um, I was talking to uh, the mother of my kids, uh, Zakia and, uh, she has the mother and skillet. Shout out to the mother and skillet. She's cooking. Uh, there's only two orders left. You know what I mean? But, you know, by the time you hear this, it might be gone. But make sure that, uh, you know, check out the mother's skill on Instagram. But um, I, I mean, we was talking about the book. I was like, man, what if I do all this work and nobody buys the book? She simply said, you got to be OK with that. And that is like huge. Right. Because anything you could do, anything you do could has the potential to land on its face. Oh, one thousand percent. I have my friend HB. Shout out HB. Uh, we had a great conversation because he knows that I, I don't give myself grace at all. It's hard to do that. Hmm. And I was telling yeah. him, I was like, man, Co- I, was, I was like, man, Kobe don't give himself grace. He's like, yeah, he does because he lets it be what it is and he just tries it again. You know what I mean? Because I was like, that's not the bomb battalion give yourself grace. He was like, no, w- when, you, when you accept the fact that you missed a shot and you shoot again, you've given yourself grace on the last play. And I was like, damn. You're giving yourself the grace to make a mistake and learn a lesson. Exactly. Exactly. That is grace. Yeah. I never, huh. That's. Profound I, borderline when you think I, about I, it. I, my brain never unpacked it that way. Mm-hmm. So this is why I love these episodes because there's nuggets. There's stuff. Yeah. Let's so be honest. A full episode is not going to be a, a goal. We got to yeah, circle there's, back. There's some things. But it's not. So it, it's not that. Oh, you missed a shot. It's okay. It's not that form. It's the, I missed the shot. It's done. It's done. Just let it go in the wind. It's done. And he told me that last week. I was like, bro, that's fire. 
That's my challenge. Mm-hmm. I'll oh, ruminate. Because I, I admittedly cry over spilled milk. Oh, all the time. Me too. I cry over spilled milk. Like it's on the, you can bring me a new gallon. It's like, bro, here's a new gallon. Right. Well, thank you. But now we could have two gallons, but the other gallon's on the floor. Exactly. So we'll never, but I got to get to the point. We all got to get to the point where we just accept the fact that we'll never recoup that gallon. Yeah. For me, it's, I always feel like I should have known better. But you can't, you can't, you don't know better until you know better. And that sucks in itself, man. Mark, thanks so much for coming through, man. I appreciate it. We're going to do this again. Oh, easy. But easy. Uh, let me ask you for the book, Damn, I Graduated I graduated in May. Uh, where can they find this when it comes out? Uh, you can pre-order it right now at digumcoach.com. That's D-I-G-I-M-C-O-A-C-H dot com. Um, and those pre-orders start getting shipped out May 4th. So you can go grab it right now. All right. You can and find it, me on Mark Supreme at Mark Supreme at M A R C underscore Supreme. You can find Digum uh, at D I G I M Coach, uh, D I G I M C O A C H, and you can find the Yanni Collective at the Yanni Collective. That's Y A N I Collective. Man, someone media trained you. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of media, anybody for anybody that wants to get more information on ninety point seven FM, how can they find you guys? Man, oh, strictly hip hop at I strictly hip hop on Instagram and Facebook at I strictly hip hop, and of course, tune in to ninety point seven FM. Shout out to the team. Uh, shout out to the teams. Uh, I'm talking about the Digum team because we got people you know helping us with that. We got the Yanni Collective team. Shout out to them. We got the strictly hip hop team. Shout out to them. And just personal folks that's in my corner and personal folks that's in all of our corners that just really want to see us win and really accept us as we are. We couldn't thank y'all enough. I'm a big wrestling person, right? So WWE, WCW, that was my entire life growing up. AEW now. Um, And in media, a lot of times we treat different companies like WWE, WCW. We never mention them. We don't talk about them. We never cross brands, right? Mm -hmm. So for me in this moment as a professional, being able to cross 90.7 and 102.3, it's dope. It's dope. for me, it's it's a culture shock because we're competitors, right? I think we kind of have the same market, but the fact that we can sit down and have a cohesive conversation with each other about not only the culture that we both, you know, try to add to, but just as individuals in the stream showing people that, you know, we could get along this ain't a you, me, me, them. This is we all in this pot together. Mm. So appreciate you coming through, man. Mark Supreme, my guest this week on the KZ Community Beats. Tell your mom I said hi. Otherwise, I won't come over for a plate of food. I don't know, bro. Go check out the other episodes of the Community Beat on all podcast platforms. I appreciate you greatly. My guest again, Mark Supreme, general manager of 90.7 FM and the author of I Graduate in May. Go get it out out now. Mark, my man. All right. We are out. Peace.